Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. Luke chapter 1. You can begin to open to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. And then also Luke chapter 2, the beginning of Luke chapter 2. But we're in a series in our church called Path to Promise. And last week we looked at the part of Luke chapter 1 where Gabriel visits Mary. And he visits Mary and he declares to her what God is going to do. A promise that's going to be fulfilled that was talked about for many years before Mary even came along, that Jesus would be born. She would conceive via the Holy Spirit. And the title of that message, if you missed it, was God's promise, our invitation. And the the promises of God really, at the end of the day for us as Christians, are one big invitation wrapped up and gifted to us. It's a gift. God's promise is a gift to you. It's an invitation for you to play a small part in the great things that God God is doing. Amen. So last week was God's promise, our invitation. This week, if you're looking for a title, God's promise, our pursuit. God's promise, our pursuit. So in Luke chapter 1, just moving a little bit further along from where we were last week, I'm going to read from verse 39 from the message. I think we're going to have it on the screen for you as well. It says this, Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up. Everybody say, got up. She got up and traveled to a town in Judah in the hill country straight to Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leapt. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly. And in chapter 2, verse 1, says about that time Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah. David's town for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancee, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket, laid him in a manger because there was no room at the hostel. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you this morning, Father, for the power of your word. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open it, digest it, take it in, breathe it in. God, we thank you that your word is full of promises for our lives. Lord, we thank you that your word is, has the ability to change a life. God, we thank you that your word is dense with truth. And Lord, as we consume it, as we take it in, as we consider it, God, and all that you've done throughout history and do today in our lives, God, we thank you that your word is breath on a page. And God, we just thank you for the future and all that you're doing this month at our church and the churches in our city. Lord, I pray for the churches that are meeting today in our city, God, that there would just be a fresh sense of your spirit, God. There would just be a fresh sense of people worshiping Jesus in a new way, God, and there would be new people flowing into your church in Jesus' name. And we all said together, Amen. amen. God's promise, our pursuit. Hello? God, is that you? So the next step, we're on a path to the promise. We're in a series. What was the next step? Mary visits Elizabeth. 
Joseph went to Galilee, from Galilee to Bethlehem. Mary started out on her own path. She began her own pursuit. Joseph, he made plans to get going. He made plans. He made his way. She moved from one location to another location. In the NIV, it says Mary got ready and she hurried towards Elizabeth. She hurried. I love that in life when it comes to God's promises, there's always a beginning. There's always a middle section and there's an end. There's always the starting point. Then there's the interim section where something needs to take place, usually emotion or some kind of movement required on our behalf when it comes to the pursuit towards God's promises. There's always a starting point, a journey to take, and finally a finish line where the promise lies. That's what it looked like for the people of God. In Genesis 15, verse 18, it says, God made a covenant with Abram. And he said, to your descendants, I will give this land. In the beginning, that was the promise. It was promised to them. It goes all the way back to Genesis. It was their promise called the promised land. But it wasn't like the people of God just all piled in the Jeep and took off down the road, went down to the promised land and just popped in like it was a couple of mile journey or it was just the easiest thing in the world. No, it was, it was quite the opposite. It required so much more than just that. It took a whole lot of time, a whole lot of effort, a whole lot of struggle. Many times over there was desperation, there was loss, there was anxiety for the people of God as they made their way through, as they made their pursuit to the promise. In fact, post the escape from Egypt in the wilderness, they even considered the oppression they had in Egypt to be better than the pursuit they were on towards their promise. They found themselves thinking, well, why don't we just go back? Why did we ever leave? What are we doing here? There's always a beginning point where God speaks, where He tells you. And then there's this thing called the middle section that we all have to go through. And then there's the end, where we finally get to God's promise. I talked last week about the three tenses of salvation. I think it's worth reminding us we are saved. As in, God has saved us at the moment. We say yes to Jesus. All of a sudden, we go from death to life. So we are saved. But Scripture also says that we are being saved. We are being sanctified. Thank God for that. Our salvation isn't static. It's what? Dynamic. We're moving on and we're moving on and we're moving on. Paul says in Romans, he says, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And finally, we will be saved. And in terms of the ultimate promise for Christians, the ultimate path that we're on, in terms of path to promise, the overarching promise that we have is that we will be saved. We will spend eternity with Him. We will be with Jesus, which is pretty cool. But there's always the beginning point. There's always the middle and there's the end. Some of this requires God's assistance along the way. Amen. We need God. We need His Word. We need instruction. We need correction. We need the plan. God's people, they needed to go towards the promise. So the thing about Mary was she got busy. That's what I like about this text. It says that she hurried towards Elizabeth and went up. She hurried along. She got going. She made some movement take place in her life. See, there's something here for us this morning, church. I wonder about you. Are you moving? Are you in motion in terms of the promises of God for your life? Is there some motion to your faith? Is there some motion to your walk? 
Even just the idea of a walk with God means that we're in motion. That's what, it, that's what it feels like to me. It's like when I walk with the Lord, it means I'm in motion towards God. It means that I'm in motion towards His promises. I'm moving in the right direction. I'm impressed by Joseph's willingness in this story. I'm grateful for his willingness. I mean, could you imagine this, the, the, the impact in society on him? Could you imagine the, the, the looks he would have got walking down the street? Could you imagine the, the murmurings from the people around him? The backlash, I suppose. I mean, this was no ordinary thing. But he had to count the cost. He had to make his move. He had to get going. So there's action that takes place with God's promises. For our central characters in the story this morning, at Christmas time, we can observe from the text, there was movement in their pursuit towards their promise. There was movement. So number one point this morning is this. Make a move in the right direction. When it comes to the pursuit for you, no matter where you're at, make a move. And keep moving in the right direction. It says, Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and she traveled to a town. So she was going to a town in the right direction, in Judah, to the hill country, straight to Zachariah's house. I love that. Didn't waste a minute. Got up and traveled straight to Zachariah's house. She made a move. It says, Joseph went from Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah. Joseph went from and he went to. Mary got ready and she hurried towards. Joseph went from and went to. Mary got ready and hurried towards. I wonder what you could hurry towards in your faith life today. I wonder what that looks like to you. See, this is one thing I really want us to get about God's Word, church. Don't for a moment think this is some historical book with no application for your life. Don't for a moment think this is just, oh, isn't it nice to come here and come into church at Christmas? Consider this great story, this application for us. No matter where we're at in our lives, no matter the season we're in, there's application, there's something we can take. There was urgency to Mary's movement. Sometimes in life, you just got to make a move. Is that practical enough for us this morning, church? Sometimes in life, we just got to make a move. I love being a, a pastor. I just love it. Already, it's been two and a half years in. I just love being a pastor. And I get the opportunity in our church to speak into the, into the young adults we have in our church. We got an, a little army of young adults at the exchange. It's awesome. Because that was the age I was when I got saved. I was 18. And I lived my whole 20s in church around good leaders, around people of faith, around people that are a little bit further along in the journey than me. And I get to speak into the lives of some of these young people. But it's cool talking to them about dating. It's one of my favorite topics. Dating. And you talk to some of them and the guys are so hilarious. It's just like, you know, just, oh, I'm not sure about this and what that means if I do that. And then if I say this thing or should I wait and text someone maybe three days later or should I, should I you know, it's, it's something holy about three days. What do you think about that? It's like, newsflash, coffee does not mean marriage. Make a move. Am I preaching this morning? Make a move. Just make a move. I sit there and I'm just like, man, you are dead in the water right now. You don't have a play. Do something. Make a move. Make a play. Just do something. Right now, you are nowhere in this transaction. You are nowhere. 
You got no read. You got no understanding. You got no idea. You're not putting it out there at all. Just make a move. Do something. Sometimes in life, we just got to make a move. We got to get on our path and start making a way forward to the very thing God is inviting us into. Make a move. I think sometimes it's intimidation. Sometimes when it comes to the promises of God, we see ourselves maybe as inferior. We say, how can a God like that do something like so amazing for me, like want to prosper me? But God's inviting us to make a move. God's inviting us to go forward. Write this down if you wouldn't mind. When you make a move, you make a statement. You make a statement to people around you. You make a statement to the world around you. You make a statement to yourself. Never underestimate the power of godly confidence that has an impact on you. You know, I, sometimes I just got to fire myself up. Does anyone else do that? Sometimes I just start preaching to myself. I'm like, you know what? You are called. God has set you apart. You know, all of a sudden it's like, man, when the enemy wants to give me a doubtful thought, I just need to preach to myself. And I say, you know what? I've got to make a move. I can do this. Sometimes we just got to get about the business of making our way forward. I don't know about you, but I've already in my time as a father and as a husband, I've made many long drives in the car. I'm kind of proud of that, actually. Long drives, when we lived in Atlanta, Atlanta, St. Augustine, six hours, five and a half if you're speeding, which I never did, obviously. <laughs> what about some other drives? St. Augustine to Nashville, 13 hours, I think. Yeah. St. Augustine to New York City, done that before several times, 18 hours. Woo. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm confronted with a long drive or, a, or, a, or a, something like that that's demonic and ungodly, man, I, I just, I don't know about you, but I just get antsy that day. I just need to get in the car and make a move. I just need to get going. I get that sense where, man, I just need to make a dent in this. I need to get going. It's 15 hours. I want to get five hours under my belt as soon as possible. I just want to get going. And can I encourage you, friend, when it comes to the plan that God has for your life, no matter what it is, just make a move. Make a dent. Make a start. Just get some of it underway. And what will happen is you will begin to build this faith reservoir in you, and you'll begin to look back and say, you know what, we've gone a long way already. God, you've already done so much in my life. You've done so much in my life. I'm so grateful. So I can go forward. I can finish this race like Paul says. We've got to make a move. So many Christians, sadly, we live stuck in neutral, not even in motion in life, just intimidated to get on the path to promise. But it all begins with a first faith step towards all that God has for us. You know, in Proverbs, it all, it's amazing in the book of Proverbs, it cautions against sitting back spiritually. In Proverbs 6, Verse 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? 
A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. This passage, it speaks to a lack of motion. A lack of motion. The potential for a lack of motion to get into our spirits. A spiritual sluggishness that can come in. I love Oswald Chambers. Anyone else an Oswald Chambers fan in the house this morning? He talks all the time in his devotionals about spiritual sluggishness. And I just feel like this morning, that's a word for someone, you're feeling a little sluggish when it comes to your faith. Can I just encourage you? Just make a move. Just get some freshness in your spirit. Change it up. Change your translation. Buy a message translation. Buy something else. You know, maybe you've just been a word for word type of person your whole life. Why don't you change it up? Do something different. You know, maybe download a new podcast. I'm not sure what it is, but I think there's a word in that for us this morning. Let's not lack motion when it comes to our faith. Let's keep moving towards the pursuit that God has for us. So number one, make a move. Number two, check the price tag, but make the payment. Look at what it costs, because there's definitely a cost to this journey. There's definitely a cost that's going to give, that's going to take from you, but make the payment. Do whatever it takes to make a move and journey towards the promise. What's it going to cost you? In Luke 2, it says, Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral town to be accounted for. So Joseph went. So Joseph had to organize his own travel. He had to go to the lengths necessary to prepare. This wasn't a wander down the street type of move. Head on down to City Hall and fill out, fill out a form and you're done. No. This was a distance of about 100 miles. First south along the flatlands, along the Jordan River. And then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem and into Beth- Bethlehem. As I was studying it, I, I was blown away. I mean, this journey for an ordinary person, maybe just one person walking a donkey, five to seven days, 100 miles, maybe 20 miles a day. But it would have taken them much longer. Mary in her condition, he probably would have been going a lot slower. He probably would have been just caring for her, making sure she was okay, making sure everything was good, taking time. It would have been much longer than that. It was an unsafe, risky journey. There's all types of things that could have gone wrong. He probably had a million contingency plans he could have made all types of things he could have worried about. But it was all part of God's plan, but it required movement. It required something from Joseph to bring it all to fruition. Just because it's a no now doesn't mean that it's not part of the process in the journey. Just because it looks a little difficult on the way through doesn't mean that it's not part of God's, God's plan for you. doesn't mean that it's not part of the pursuit of the promise if it looks a little bit difficult. See, I believe in this world we live in today, we, we live in a world of convenience. We want to make everything as easy as possible. I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time. I'm always thinking now, is there an app that's going to make this easier for me? Is there some way I can go online and just do this quicker? Is there some way I can just skip maybe a very important part of the process and just get to the end? But let's be the type of Christians, if there is something difficult about the pursuit, let's not be afraid of it. Let's keep moving towards it. There's a cost to it. Jesus himself, he said, count the cost in Luke 14. He talked about discipleship. Verse 27, he says, If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, But don't begin until you count the cost. 
For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. Otherwise, sorry, and then they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. I just think that as Christians, we need to make a move. We need to count the cost, but absolutely make the payment. Realize that it's worth it. But understand, God wants to help us. He wants to help us on the journey. So if the cost is there and the price is worth it, but Jesus also made something very clear to us. He said there would be help. He said there'd be help on the journey. Mary got on the path. But what we can't miss about this text is what happens when she gets to Elizabeth's house. She gets there and something unbelievable happens. What happened was supernatural. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, it says, the baby in her womb leapt and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love the very fact that the next thing that took, took place, so think about it for a moment. There was a natural thing that took place. She got up, she prepared, she hurried, and she went to Elizabeth's house. It was very natural, very normal. Nothing crazy about that. She just went on her way. But the natural collided with the supernatural, the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. What appeared on the outside to be a very natural pathway, journey, way forward, she naturally and physically made her way to Elizabeth's home but she collided with the supernatural. I think about that, and I was just thinking this morning, as I was preparing. The whole purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit was for the work that was going forward. And I think for Elizabeth and her faith and all that sort of stuff, but it was also for Mary too. So it was part of the plan and for, for Jesus to walk in that anointing, for all of that thing, to, but it was also to help Mary along in the journey. And that's what the Holy Spirit is for us. There are names, there are identifiers in Scripture that help us understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You want to know what they are? You want to know what they are? Advocate. Counselor. Comforter. Speaker. Revealer of truth. To reaffirm God's promise in your life. That's what the role of the Holy Spirit is for you. It's to reaffirm what God's already spoken to you. It's to help you along the way towards the promise that God has for you. It's for us to understand that we're not doing it on our own. I think about the disciples. The disciples, after Jesus went away, they were greatly distressed. They were almost paralyzed. They were motionless for a while. They were motionless. In a sense, they were immobilized because they had lost His natural, His comforting presence. He was around them all the time. He rolled with them everywhere he went. They were his boys. He just did stuff with them. He taught them. He showed them things. He revealed things as he walked, as he did his thing. So in a sense, they were paralyzed. They were immobilized because he was gone. But he promised to send the Spirit to comfort them. He promised to send the Spirit to console them. He promised that he would send an advocate, a helper along the way. Come on, am I preaching to anyone this morning? It was a guide for us, for all that who belong to Christ. You know, those words, comfort, counselor, advocate, they're all translations of the Greek word parakletos, which is where we get the word paraclete, which is another name for the Spirit. So can I encourage you, friend, today, if you're walking towards your promise, 
If you're on your journey, you've made your move, you're making your way, don't for a second think that you're on your own. Don't for a second think that you can't do it. Don't for a second think that you don't know what's right or what's wrong. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. The Holy Spirit is there to convict us, to help us. It's a guide. It's supposed to show us the way. It's supposed to reaffirm what we already know. It's supposed to be the type of thing that can be the catalyst, amen, towards something greater. I love it. I think it's amazing that she had this amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit to assist her, to help her on the way, maybe to go through even the natural things that she was going for. She had this supernatural encounter, which would then be the strength that she needed to go through the natural things that were about to take place in her life. Amen. That's for you and for me. And the last thing about this path, this pursuit, is this. Be ready to protect the pursuit and be ready for opposition. Be ready for it. As you pursue your promise, be ready for opposition which will come your way. Satan's not going to give up on you without a fight. Just so you know. Just be aware. He's just not going to let you walk into God's promises freely, just Go for it. He's not going to open the door. He's going to fight. He's going to try to throw a spanner in your works. He's going to try to stop it from happening. But the cool thing is God wins. The amazing thing is we walk in victory. We walk to victory, but we walk from a place of victory. So when it comes to God's promises in your life, just know it's a done deal. Just because we've got to walk it out, just because we've got to do what it takes, doesn't mean that we haven't won. He cannot stand it when Christians walk in God's promises. He can't stand it. It's probably the thing he hates the most. Is when we begin to walk into the promises and see them fulfilled in our lives. See, when you're on the path to promise, you should be protective of that path. You should be protective of it. We're protective over you. In this church, I don't know, I'm just protective over the people that God's brought into our world. It's part of my own path. It's part of Jill and I. It's our path to be pastors of this church. So we don't like someone coming in here, just saying whatever they want, speaking untruths, trying to mess with the flock. See, we're protective over the path. Even when it comes to God's promise for you to have a family, of course you're going to be protective over your family. Of course you're going to want to protect your children. Of course you're going to want to protect the path that God has given you. And I think it's important to understand that opposition may well come. Protect the pursuit, treasure it, and walk ready to battle the opposition that comes your way. Because it's worth fighting for. You know, I spoke before about being motionless, being stuck. I feel like that's just something that happens sometimes in the journey. We just find ourselves sometimes we're spinning our wheels. We find ourselves in a season where it just seems like, I'm spinning my wheels. I need to get going again. I need to change gear. I need to do something different. And I think it's important we need to change things up from time to time. We need to keep a freshness about what God is doing. So this morning, I wanted to give us five potential roadblocks on the path to promise. And I'd love it if you write these down. To avoid being stuck and motionless on our way to God's promises. The first is this, unbelief. That's a potential roadblock. Unbelief. Zachariah, he struggled with unbelief. I talked about that last week. 
in the message translation, he says, do you, he said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? I don't know about you, but that's pretty blatant unbelief. Word for word, do you expect me to believe this? You're crazy. Unbelief. Even I find it amazing that Elizabeth, who belonged to obviously Zachariah, speaks to Mary's belief in this text. Says the baby in my womb skipped for skipped like a lamb for, for sheer joy. She says this blessed woman who believed what God said. And she goes on, said, believed every word would come true. It's almost like she doubles down. And I don't know about you, but I see that. I'm like, is she speaking about Zachariah's unbelief right here? Is she speaking about that? Making a point to that? Making a point of Jesus, uh, Mary's belief? See, we, we need to, to make sure that when it comes to God's promises, we just need to believe. Yeah, we can doubt. Yeah, things can come our way that cause us to be a little unsure, but we just got to have faith that God will do what God does. Number two, number two roadblock towards God's promises is compromise. Joseph didn't compromise. He didn't take a shortcut. He didn't cheat the path or go a different way. He took the prescribed path for Jesus. He took the prescribed path. We live in a world crying out for Christians to compromise. You just have to look around you at the type of legislation that's being passed. And to be honest, it doesn't hold fast to what God's Word says. The world is crying out, hey, Christian, compromise. Crying out all day long, hey, you should compromise what you believe. Why don't you just get a little fuzzy on this area? When it comes to this relationship, why don't you just just put that in the grey zone? Why don't you just put that over here and consider this? But we know what God's Word says. We need to hold fast to God's Word. We need to understand that God's Word is a guide to us. It's supposed to help us. The Holy Spirit is a convictor as well. So when it comes to the sin that we have in our lives, and we all sin, we need to understand the Holy Spirit is there to convict us of that. Compromise. The third is this. The third roadblock, pride. Joseph, man, what an opportunity for pride. What an opportunity to be prideful and say, you know what, I'm just going to back away from this situation. I'm going to turn the other way when no one's looking and I'm going to run. Because this is not good for me. This could be a prideful situation. He could have gone to lengths to make himself look better because of his pride. He could have gone to lengths to try to manipulate and change things because pride on the inside was saying, you need to look after yourself. Pride is a roadblock for us all. Number four, roadblock on the pursuit to promise is being familiar. Just growing familiar in our faith. Let's not be a church that does it. Let's not be a type of people that do it. Let's stay active in motion, on the path, in the journey, the pursuit. Let's not take a long-dated pit stop on the side of the road. Let's be committed to staying fresh in God's Word, to stay fresh in church life. I think you'll you'll find that true of us. We desire to stay fresh. I don't want our church to get familiar. I don't want us to get familiar with the promises that God has given us, the anointing that He's put on our church, the pathway that He has for us, the walk forward that He has for us to church. I never want us to get familiar with that. 
I want us to stay fresh. I want us to chase after what God has for us, God's best at all times. Not settle for a counterfeit, not settle for something that's low rate, but settle for the, for the best. And if that means it takes a little bit more effort, if that means we've got to go and rent a truck, we'll do it. If it means we've got to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone, we will. If it means we've got to do what we've got to do, we will do it. I don't want to grow familiar in my faith and I don't want to pastor a church that's familiar. I want to be the type of Christian that stays fresh. My pastor always says, he says, are you scratching where people are reaching? When it comes to pastoring people, are you scratching where people are reaching? Are you, are you going out of your way to try to be relevant where there needs to be relevant? I'm not saying you change the, the message, but maybe we should look at the methods and stay fresh. I want to stay fresh. I don't want to grow familiar. Number five, as the team comes back up, the fifth roadblock on the pursuit to promise is comparison. Comparison is the killer of your joy. It will kill it off. You'll find yourself so miserable because you're comparing yourself to someone else. The thing about comparison is this, it either makes you feel inferior or it makes you feel superior. It makes you feel like you're not good enough or it makes you feel like, you know what, I'm pretty special and I'm better than them. And God has never called us to live that way. And when it comes to pursuing His promises, we cannot compare ourselves to other people, even other churches. While I'm on the topic of, of our church, comparing ourselves to other churches, comparing ourselves to what other pastors are doing. I could so easily do it. I could so easily find myself comparing the congregation sizes of other churches in our city and say, man, what are they doing that we're not doing? But that's not God's promise for us. That's not God's promise for me to do that. That's related to somebody else. So what were they, the five roadblocks? The first was unbelief. Second was compromise. Third was pride, being familiar and comparing. You know, Mary and Joseph, they pursued. I wonder if you're pursuing. I wonder if you've been pursuing. I wonder if you're in motion. There's something about our faith that can never get religious. Because religion, there's no motion to that. It's just a list. It's just a set of rules. It's obligation. There's nothing dynamic about that. There's nothing exciting about that. This walk with God, it was never meant to be something like a museum. We just walk around, we take a look and then we leave. It's supposed to be fresh. It's supposed to be motion attached to our faith. Amen. You received that word this morning. Why don't you stand with me? God's promise, our pursuit. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning, God. Father, we just pray you'd seal it in our hearts, Lord, as we pursue everything you have for us, Lord, as we pursue the goodness that you've given us, God, as we pursue all that the cross represents, Lord. 
Father, the promise that Jesus would be sent to us. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be our guide, Father, that would be our comfort, Lord, that would be our counsellor, would be our advocate, God. Father, I just pray for a boldness right now, Lord, when it comes to our promises, Father. Jesus, why don't you just pray right now, Lord? Just pray, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me through this word today? Come on, let's sing. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.